Hello everyone, uh, this is Ben Osu here from the Anthony Walker Foundation and we are in conversation with Victor Anachibi. So um, Victor, thank you very much for doing this and talking to us about um, racism and your experiences growing up. Um, what was it like growing up in, in Liverpool as a, as a young black man? Um, I can't say it was all doom and gloom. It, it, for me, I think kind of fortunate to have grown up in England so that's the first thing that I would say um, but it wasn't easy because you know we'd come over my dad got a job over here he was the head of the Nigerian shipping line and then I've gone to nursery here primary school secondary school and I was like the only black person in my school um, it didn't seem because I was young I didn't see anything that was not normal about that um, but yeah, it was just me, myself, uh, my, my, my sister, myself, and my brother, obviously, later on. We were the only black people in school. Um, you know, all my friends were white. Um, we would only see black people, really, when we went back to Nigeria. for Because my parents made it a big thing that we go in for Christmas, Easter's, and, you know, every single holiday to, you know, just be with our family and see the culture, continue to have the same culture, you know. Oh yeah, I grew up as a black guy in, in Liverpool. And it was interesting. It's only now that you look back and you think of some things and you're like, I can't believe, you know, some of these things used to happen. So I grew up in a very posh white area in, you know, Liverpool and Blondel Sands. Um, and you would quite often get, you know, old white people, you know, they'll walk past you and when are you going to go home? Go back to your own country. But we were raised in such a way that we brushed a lot of these things off. We brushed a lot of these things off. Um, my parents were very strong. My mom, she was a nurse also. And some of the stories that she used to tell us um, was unbelievable. Because you can imagine as a nurse, so she was a nurse in, say, hospitals, but also nursing homes too. So a lot of the white people will say that they don't want her to touch her or they'll always just racist remarks a lot of the time. You know, there's some older people, maybe they have dementia or any of these things, and they'll always just slur out the racist remarks all the time. But my mum was kind of strong in a way where she'll just laugh about it and just say, oh, this, these stupid people, I feel sorry for them. Um, so we, I guess we've always been growing up with that kind of like strong resilience where we just brush it off, really. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of fortunate as well. I don't think I've experienced it as bad as some other people. Um, mm. But it was um, it was definitely there. So that 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 is for sure. Do you do you think back now and look back on some of the experiences and so, some of the stuff that you maybe had brushed off in the past? And when you look back now, you think, oh, actually, that was that was actually quite a serious thing because I, I I remember growing up. I, so I grew up in in Toxteth and still live live here now, which is obviously a very multi. Um, racial and, and diverse community but even growing up in my street you know there was a couple of white kids who would you know just say stupid stuff to us that wasn't you know the the worst thing in the world but it was definitely racist and yeah. looking back now I, I think you know what why didn't I do something or say something a little bit more um way back when and of course I only would have been about six or seven so what do you do as, as a kid but um yeah I, I, do, you, do you think back on some of some of those incidents that you thought maybe were quite minor at the time a lot of a lot of the things you know since all a lot of these things being brought to light 
Um, it's brought back a lot of memories that you've kind of like brushed away and thought that they weren't that serious. But, you know, walking around and, you know, people asking you, when are you going to go back home? That's not normal. Um, kids in school, you know, they kind of think the black people are always cool. But again... Yeah. And we are. <laughs> yeah, we are. We are cool. You know, so you're the cool one in school and stuff. But, you know, just some of the remarks that they make, but you kind of want to fit in and you don't want to um, fight or anything like this. So you kind of just brush it away and, you know, laugh about it. Even some of my friends, actually. You know, one time, one of my friends, and he's still my friend to this day. Um, you remember when back in the day, you could be on the phone to someone and the other person could have like two people on the line. So, okay. so I'd called his house, but his mom had thought that she'd muted me and she was just talking to him from downstairs to upstairs. And she, she was asking him, like, why are you friends with this black boy? And, um, you know, and because it wasn't, it was, didn't really see many black people where I, I grew up at all. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so again, I like brushed this off. And to this day, we're still like, close friends but later she grew to you know she grew have to you, have, have you ever thought it maybe challenger on it or yeah I, I actually mentioned it to them the other day um you know it's quite an uncomfortable subject for white people you know when you call them out on some of these things they kind of brush off and say oh, I didn't say that or I can't remember but you know you remember very clearly you know there was another time where you tried to be friends with this is when I first started to because where I grew up is Crosby, you understand? So then in our school, there was people from like other sides of Liverpool too. Um, yeah. Towards like Scotland Road and all these kind of things. So one time I went to my friends and I stayed over in his house and I could hear him having a conversation with his parents downstairs and they were saying, why are you letting this black boy stay in the house? This, this like end, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it was, and it was crazy. It was crazy. That was the last time I went to his house though. But, you know, it was insane. But some of these things that you look back to, you just think like these things are not normal. But... Yeah, I uh, I had an experience similar to that when I, when I I was growing up and my mates died and again like you you said about your mate he's still one of my best friends. Um, his his dad um who's no longer alive was giving us a lift somewhere, um and this this car pulled in front of us and I think it was a group of Somali lads um that that were in the car. And he, 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 you know, shouted expletives and then used the M word. And I was just, I would have been about 13 and I just was just like sat in the back, like in shock. And then just in silence for the rest of the car journey. And, um, you know, when, it, when, when, when we finished, you know, my mate was mortified and he was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And then his later on, his, his mum called me, so his, his dad must have gone home and said, oh, this happened. Um, and his mum apologised and stuff. And obviously, I don't hold that against me, mate, but it's, it's an incident that I like, can remember as clear as day. I can tell you exactly where we were, like what song was on the radio. Um, but it's, it's weird, isn't it, that you know, our, our friends grew up with those, those attitudes around them, but didn't necessarily take those attitudes on. Whereas for some other people, they kind of do kind of absorb those attitudes and then carry them on into, into their kind of future life. Yeah, I guess as well, like in the same breath, it's maybe because your friends, for instance, were friends with you or my friends were friends with me. They actually looked at us as a person, as a human being. They knew us how we were. Sometimes yeah. when I look at those other people, 
the older generation, maybe they didn't grow up with any black people or they've never really been friends with one or, and they, they look and they think that we're not human beings and stuff, but we're exactly the same as them. So, um, but it is, it's, it's really interesting to see how some people let it, like take it on themselves and some people don't. Like even in this day and age when, you know, there's so much, um, you know, social and all these different things to understand that we're all the same, but some of them still have this hate inside of them that, you know, it just doesn't make sense. I, I found it really difficult around this period and um, just trying to understand. I, I can't understand how people, you know, can have so much hate inside of them, which is, it's, it's just crazy. And even like, as you get older, getting stopped by the police all the time. And um, it was only until I started playing for Everton that, you know, the police can see your name. Um, yeah. So became more well-known and stuff. Sometimes they will just pull me over for no reason, but a lot of, the, but sometimes just to talk to me. But before I was a bit known, they'll pull you over all the time because they might not think that you're inside the car. They'll just see a big a black person inside a nice car. Yeah. Pull you over. Um, and I'm fortunate. I'm actually fortunate because, you know, I play football. I'm kind of known. Someone else that's not in that same position, it could be, it's re- it could be really frightening. So it's just, it's, it's very frustrating. There was another high profile um, situation in Nutsford. You know, I lived in Nutsford for a long time, just in the newspaper. And then I just, I got injured against Newcastle. Um, I was only, I think, 18. I, was, I can't even remember. And I hadn't been out for a long time because I was on crutches. I was, I was only really allowed to be in bed because I just had an operation and stuff. And I eat at this restaurant all the time, Gusto, it's called in, in Nutsford. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And um, so I was with my friend, Lee Peltier. He also plays football. He's mixed as well. Um, and we'd finished eating and we've gone out of the place, out of the um, Gusto. Next door, there's a small jewelry store. And we've just gone past the jewelry store. It's not even a high, like a jewelry store that sells expensive stuff. And we pointed to something that we thought was cool or something, or I don't even know the reason. We just pointed at it. And um, there's a water stones across the street. So I walked across to the water stones because obviously I'm going to be in my bed. So I was like, I like to read. So I went to, to look to buy some books from water stones. You know, I went across on my crutches and um, we were in there for a couple of minutes. And next thing I just hear loads of sirens. And I turned around to help to my friend Lee and I said, I've never heard sirens in Nutford. These sirens have come and they pulled up outside the Waterstones. So I was like, what's going on? I, I was even thinking, I looked behind, I was like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, next thing, this policeman's barged into Waterstones and I was a bit further away. My friend was closer to the door and he's called us over. But my friend, I was on crutches. I couldn't really get over it quick enough. So all I've heard is he said to my friend, oh, I heard you've been eyeing up a jewelry store. So we, I looked and I was like, oh, I just turned back to the books and I said, I haven't even got to look at this. And then um, he said, yeah, I heard you've been eyeing up a jewelry store. Can you step outside? So we were like, what? So he's called me over because then a lot of white people like looking and people know me in the area. So everyone's like looking like, so I didn't want to cause a scene. So I stepped outside on my crutches and we walked outside and we stepped outside and he was saying to us, you know, I heard you've been eyeing up the jewelry store. I heard you've been tapping on the window um, to see the depth or something like this. Um, you know, you need, you need to show me identification. And I, I, I was looking at the guy and I said, are you for real? I'm on crutches. 
He said, yeah, that could be, that could be a ploy. You could take it off and rob the jewelry store or something like this. I said, you're crazy. Like, you're absolutely crazy. And he was like, give me your ID. We were like, we don't need to give you our ID. We're just in the bookstore. Why do you need our ID? So <laughs> next thing, he's trying to like cuff my friend, but my friend Lee, he's a bit strong. So he's trying to get his arm behind his back, but my friend just held his arm like this. So um, then the guy's goes on his mic on his own thing and starts shouting, we need backup, we need backup. And then <laughs> I can imagine, I can see it clear as day. So as we, we were there and honestly, four police cars stormed down Nutsford. It's, a, it's only a, a single road, load block the whole road. At this point, everyone's outside of the shops, everyone's outside in the road. You know, the police are like, I mean, people like, are like, what are you doing? Next thing, the other police officers come and they've been to my house before, so they do know me. And all they've come and done, they just put their hands on the head and, and ask the guy, What have you done? He's gone in his car and drove away. He's gone in his well, car, but, and drove away, left them to deal with everything. As, as a whole, what, what do you think racism's like within, within football these days? And, and um, do you think we've seen any, any kind of positive developments and ways forward? Um, I think they tried to do some schemes where they've tried to get some coaches to try to hire some coaches and things like this, which, you know, they found ways around if you, you don't see no black coaches. Um, there has to be more of this. There has to be more in terms of sports and directors, not even just coaches, sports and directors, um, mm. head of academy. Um, CEOs, you know, this, you need to actually have a seat at the table um, and not just be a coach because if you do have a seat at the table, then you have the power to hire, you know, coaches and things like this and, and not enough of that has been done. Um, and there are really good black, um, black coaches. There are other players that they've walked into incredible jobs, you know, for the first ones when, you know, other players other black players are not getting that same opportunity. If you look at Saul Campbell, um, I had the pleasure of watching him because in Nutsford, he was manager of Macclesfield and kept trying to get me to sign, but I wasn't really interested in signing. But um, I saw firsthand, you know, the drills and training that he was doing and stuff like that, which was very good. He took over Macclesfield in a dire position. They were down. You know, they were down and I think they were... 10, 13 points or whatever it was. I, I don't even know the exact figure, you know, to be relegated and kept them up. They had no money, no budget, nothing, and he kept them up. The next job that he got, what's the next job that he got? Some other club with financial difficulties that he's just had to walk away from. Why isn't he getting a, a better job? Yeah. Why? You've taken a club with no help, no budget, no nothing. You've used your relationship to bring in players. If you can show that you can do well with a team at the bottom of the bottom and do well, why has he not got an opportunity at a better team? How, how does that even make sense? It doesn't make sense. Just to finish, um, the film about um, Anthony, that's coming out on the BBC on the 27th, um, BBC One at 8.30, is all about the, the, the future that Anthony could have had. So, you know, kids, marriage, work, all that kind of stuff. Um, what 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 do you see for the future moving forward in terms of tackling racism, whether that's in wider society or within football? 
hard question. You know, I, I don't really know the answers. I, I don't know the answers, you know, and, and it's tackling, it's tackling it, I think. I don't really know. I, I couldn't tell you the answer to what is the best way. Um, it has to come from, you know, there has to be education into it to know about, you know, the histories, you know, what's happened and stuff, which a lot of people are not, they don't really want to learn so much about the history of what's happened and stuff. And it gets people very uncomfortable talking about it, but it's an uncomfortable conversation that has to be had. Mm. Uh, but again, it, it is for, it is kind of for white people to do it themselves. You know, I, I've been talking to a lot of people on social and stuff, but trying to educate them, but it's, it's kind of draining sometimes. And it's, it's something that I think people have to do for themselves, but it's just education, really. I think it's just giving each other equal opportunities, you know, for the same. So for whatever job or whatever thing that you're trying to go for, there has to be an equal opportunity for um, the black person, you know, next that's got the same credentials or whatever it is. But I, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know the, the answer to how to really, really, you know, tackle it. I don't want to talk about spiritual and God and stuff like that, because I do believe that, you know, that's got a massive role to play in it. Um, but I think it, I think it's going to, it's going to take a lot. Um, it's going to take a lot. But I don't know. What, what would you say the way to tackle I think you, you hit the nail on the head, to be honest, Victor, before when you said education. I think that's what it's about. I think it's about educating people about the experience that black and people of colour have, um, whether that's in wider society or within within football. And then it's I think it's about acting on that education and that learning and, and how we can we can move that forward and hopefully um like we were talking before about our friends who grew up around people with racist attitudes that, you know, we, 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 we get the messages through to, to the young people so that they carry, they carry on and, and move forward. Um, and I think that's, that's where we have to start is with, with education on the pitch, off the pitch, in the shop, in the park, in school, out of school, um, where, wherever that needs to be. It needs to be a learning experience for, for everyone. And, um, I suppose that's what the Anthony Walker Foundation is is trying to do.